Hello and welcome to the Mixed Feelings podcast with me, Jonathan Phelan. This is a collection of stories designed to help you take control of how you feel and to strengthen your resilience so that you can perform to your best, even in challenging environments. These stories include a series of coaching exercises that you can work through so that you can achieve that goal of strengthening your personal resilience. You can follow the coaching exercises through my book called Being You, which you'll find on the evenhood.org website and other online bookstores, including Amazon. My stories also show you the benefits of building a culture of evenhood around you, where everyone is encouraged to be themselves and they feel valued for who they are. This is the eighth of my stories of Evenhood. It's called Sam's Story, and it will help you bring together many of the things you've heard about in my previous stories of Evenhood, and turn them into actionable tools that you can use to strengthen your own resilience. Before we come to Sam, let's just have a reminder of the stories of Evenhood that you've heard so far. You've had the story of you in which we focused on the lengths we all go to in order to fit in and how the effort we make to fit in can have a negative effect on our personal resilience. You've heard the story of Resilient Trevor which opened our eyes to the fact that our sense of personal resilience is massively impacted by the environment we operate in at home, work, school, university in social groups, clubs and societies. You've explored your meaning of resilience by looking at resilience in nature, through other people's definitions and through your role models. We've also explored the real meaning of privilege and prejudice to help you think about whether the environments you operate in are based in a culture of evenhood or not. Then we looked at the simplicity of the fool in the Fisher King and worked out how to listen non-judgmentally and focus on the things in our environment that ail us. And finally, we heard about Bob and explored the way our four brains steer our decision-making, actions and behaviours. I hope these stories entertained as well as educated What we're going to do next is extract everything we learned from those stories. We'll do this through our next story of Evenhood, called Sam's Story. We'll see how everything you've learned comes together to provide the means and the motivation to shift you to achieving a stronger sense of personal resilience. Let's take a look at Sam's story. Sam is a client who came to me for resilience coaching. In order to protect confidentiality, Sam is not, of course, the real client name. And elements of Sam's story have been changed. And I've used a gender-neutral pronoun to tell you Sam's story, given that their story is relevant to everyone. Sam's story will walk you through the coaching exercises that I work on with my clients. By listening to Sam's story, you'll discover the sort of exercises you can do for yourself to help you strengthen your own resilience 
or support others with theirs. Sam's backstory is of limited relevance. So, just briefly, Sam came to coaching because they were struggling at work. Sam described themselves as quiet, gentle, softly spoken and reserved. This was in stark contrast to their work colleagues who, Sam observed, were more self-confident, outgoing and pushy. Sam was intellectual and demonstrably so based on their qualifications and experience. But in this particular workplace, they felt that their intellectual ability was not recognised, respected and valued because of their gentle and reserved personality. Sam was very productive at work, completing work ahead of schedule much of the time. This ability to deliver was recognised, but, despite this, Sam suffered from constant criticism for not speaking up and for being more restrained in their interactions with the rest of their team. Sam described the effort they put in to constantly having to play a more outgoing role at work, so as to feel more accepted by their colleagues. This wore Sam down, and left them feeling exhausted each evening. In a typical week, Sam found that as the days passed, the effort that Sam had to put in grew progressively harder, and the weekends became a period to recover, rather than enjoy. And this was developing into burnout. Sam didn't ascribe fault to their experience. There was no sense that Sam was being mistreated or that there was any particular prejudice. It was more the case that the workplace expected people to behave in a particular way in order to be a model employee. Sam was working so hard to conform to the culture of the organisation they worked for and to feel accepted. In coaching, we discussed what being resilient meant to Sam. Sam's answer involved grappling with two choices. The first was to be able to evolve into the personality type expected by their workplace and not feel so worn down by the effort this took. But Sam felt that this choice wouldn't be authentic or realistic. Sam's preference, therefore, was to be themselves more and put an effort into trying to be more accepted for who they were. And more importantly, in the expectation that their workplace wouldn't be accepting of Sam's quieter personality type, Sam decided to focus on building self-assurance about their own personality and to build resilience to feel strong even if the workplace continued to be critical of Sam's nature. And Sam thought it was realistic that they could achieve this. Sam explored some of their role models, and in particular focused on someone they'd worked for in a previous job. Sam described this person as calm, authoritative and respected. This role model was not pushy, not self-interested and didn't demand attention. Sam particularly focused on the observation that this role model earned respect through delivery rather than required it. And Sam shared this focus on the value of delivery. 
Sam saw this as a more authentic and honest approach to having a positive reputation in the workplace. Rather than someone who was respected out of self-promotion or fear, This role model had gained the respect of others through their calm nature and well-balanced decision-making, and Sam felt it would be realistic to aim to have this sort of self-assured, merit-based respect. And Sam felt they would feel more resilient and purposeful, aiming to be like this. We spent quite some time talking about the various micro-environments that Sam encountered, In doing this, Sam walked through everything they encountered from the moment Sam awoke, the quality of their sleep, the time they had in the morning to prepare for the day, their journey to work, their desk location, their interaction with colleagues, both across the organisation and more directly in the team. We discussed the various types of work interactions that they had, from electronic engagements to in-person meetings, Our conversation covered breaks, arrival and departure times, lunch both in terms of time and quality of the diet. Outside of work, we discussed hobbies and pastimes, interests, and the things Sam did for relaxation and enjoyment. Given how worn down Sam felt by the effort they put into work, we spent a lot of time focusing on things that Sam did to recharge their batteries. Over a period of many weeks, Sam mindfully reflected on each of these micro-environments and assessed whether these micro-environments had a positive or negative impact on their sense of personal resilience. The outcome from this period of coaching was that Sam arrived at a short list of environments that strongly supported their resilience. Interestingly, and I find this a lot with my clients, this shortlist contained nothing major or revolutionary. Sam's list included things such as starting work early and leaving early to make time for both a productive day and an evening that would allow them to have a good meal, a walk and read a book to wind down. Sam also found that sitting in a particular place at work and having a quiet work area was strongly supportive of their resilience, as was taking several short breaks across the day, rather than one longer lunchtime. Sam also found that a healthy breakfast and a morning walk, as well as a good evening meal, another walk, reading a book and getting to bed early, was highly beneficial compared to going out, watching TV or eating poorly. Sam's challenging environments included working in a noisy environment, being put on the spot in meetings or being asked to speak in large groups. The way instructions were given was also a challenge. Sam's manager had an inclination to not just ask for a task to be done, but to give detailed instructions on how it should be done, with regular interventions to check that the task was being done correctly. This, Sam felt, took away their sense of ownership, independence, an agency. It ended up with Sam not feeling trusted to do the job right and relied upon to have the right skills and knowledge to do things for themselves. As we've also established, 
Sam found it challenging to force themselves to be outgoing, pushy, and self-confident at work, as this didn't correspond with Sam's inner nature. Again, as you can see, nothing on this list is revolutionary. What was revolutionary for Sam was having this list, making the time to mindfully reflect on this and become more consciously aware of the impact these micro-environments had on their sense of personal resilience. Well, that was a revelation to Sam. In thinking through their options for their challenging environments, Sam felt that it was realistic and practical to avoid as far as possible things like noisy environments, evening working and taking a full lunch break. Sam found all of these things to be detrimental to their sense of resilience and were easily avoided. Sam agreed that it would be a good idea to speak to their manager about the way instructions were given, to explain the impact of the manager's inclination to be directive and detailed. Sam asked for a more engaging approach, which would involve being given more agency and control over how tasks were done. Sam recognised that this required trust to be developed in both directions, so Sam acknowledged that they would be quite happy for the manager to try this alternative approach out on low-risk tasks, if they preferred. This would allow both Sam and the manager to grow into a new style of giving instructions, and for the manager to have confidence that setting the task was sufficient, and that Sam could be trusted to work out the method of their approach to undertaking the task. Meetings and speaking in large groups was a necessary part of their job, so couldn't just be avoided, and it wasn't easy to do this in a different way. However, Sam did see benefit in discussing this challenge with their manager, and asking the manager to give advance notice where possible of occasions when Sam would be asked to contribute by speaking openly in meetings. This would reduce the extent to which Sam felt put on the spot. However, Sam recognised that this wouldn't always be possible, so we spent a bit of time discussing what it was about speaking in meetings that Sam felt was particularly challenging. Sam's challenge, it turned out, was that they felt that when they were asked to speak, they were being put on the spot to catch them out. Sam had a kind of inner voice that said they were being set up to fail so that negative judgments could be made. We had a conversation about this and explored previous occasions in Sam's life where they felt put on the spot and judged. There's too much unnecessary detail in those conversations to give you here, but the essence is that Sam had a pattern of thinking that saw speaking publicly in this negative fashion. Sam's perception was that speaking publicly was something to be fearful of because they were being set up to be judged. The outcome of this discussion is that Sam agreed it would be useful to work on this pattern of thinking and explore other ways of thinking about why Sam was being asked to speak up. Over a period of weeks, Sam paid particular attention to what happened when they were asked to speak in meetings. 
Sam also had a conversation with their manager to talk through how they felt about speaking up in meetings. And Sam asked for some honest and detailed feedback on this. The manager responded positively and worked with Sam over those weeks to make clear his rationale for asking Sam to speak. On each occasion, the manager gave feedback on the value that was gained from Sam's input at meetings. And so, over time, Sam learned that their contribution was being asked for because it was valued. Sam's input was respected. And when Sam asked others, they also said that Sam provided helpful insights by sharing their views. As time went on, Sam grew in confidence about speaking in meetings. And this was particularly helped by Sam reframing their thought patterns. Rather than thinking that they were being put on the spot so that they could be judged, Sam began to accept that their contribution was requested because they were respected and valued. One byproduct of these conversations with their manager and colleagues is that Sam became more open about the things that helped them stay resilient. And one lovely outcome of this was that several of Sam's immediate colleagues, including Sam's manager, started to prompt Sam to do the things that helped with their resilience. So, that was Sam's experience of coaching. And I hope that conveys to you the relatively simple approach to resilience coaching. All we did here was set up an opportunity for Sam to mindfully reflect on their environment. This is such a simple approach that anyone can do it at any time. It's so simple that some people's reaction is that all this stuff should be obvious to everyone all the time. People surely know whether they react well or badly in these sort of environments. But the truth of it is that they don't. We spend so many years in life fitting in that we forget who we really are. You'll remember from our very first story about you where we focused on the downsides of having to fit in. That when we join a new group or organisation, we spend time looking around and working out how other people dress, act, behave and so on. We make a note of what they talk about and are interested in. We observe how they operate in an environment, when they arrive and leave, take breaks and so on. Our instinctive desire to fit in, coupled with the cultural pressure on us to fit in, is so intense that over time we forget who we are. It's only by process of mindful reflection on all of our micro-environments that we can work out which of those environments truly serves us well and which of those environments are challenging. And it's only then that we can start to make decisions on how to tackle those challenging environments, including which of those environments we should avoid or do differently or think differently about. So, 
while none of this appears to be revolutionary or radical, without this mindful reflection over a period of time, Sam was barely aware of the cumulative impact of these environments on their resilience and overall sense of well-being. We'll soon come to a podcast in which I will walk you through the coaching exercises that you can do so that you can develop a stronger sense of personal resilience. But there are one or two further steps we need to take first. In Sam's story, I've dropped the phrase mindful reflection quite a few times. So in our next story of evenhood, called Mindful Snacking, we're going to explore this notion of mindful reflection a little more, because this is one of the keys you need to unlock your potential. Do keep going on this journey of discovery by listening to more of my stories of evenhood on the Mixed Feelings podcast.